What's up, QAA listeners? The fun games have begun. I found a way to connect to the internet. I'm sorry, boy. 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 Welcome, listener, to the 85th chapter of the QAnon Anonymous podcast, the Ghislaine Maxwell episode. As always, we are your hosts, Jake Rokotansky, Julian Field, Brace Belden, and Travis View. We are gathered here today to discuss the Marie Curie of our time, a woman who really, truly, nevertheless persisted. Ghislaine Maxwell, or G for the heads, is probably the most famous in-and-out burger enthusiast to also be the madam of a global child sex trafficking ring, working alongside Jeffrey Epstein to recruit, smuggle, and exploit underage girls for years. This week, we've invited Brace Belden from the Truanon podcast to serve as a guide as we descend into the pedo tunnels with flashlights in an attempt to shed some light on the situation. As an opener, Travis has prepared some context on Ghislaine and her current predicament. After all, we can't just jump straight into Mossad black ops, mysterious yacht deaths, and New York Post article plants. But before all that... QAnon News. Now, uh, first off, I have an update in the case of Bucky Wolf. Uh, R.I.P. Yeah, you may may recall that uh, Bucky Wolf is uh, the QAnon follower and proud boy from Seattle who was uh, charged with murder after killing his brother with a sword Uh, after mistaking him for being uh, a lizard. Okay, actually, apologies. I meant RIP for the brother. I thought that Bucky was the name of the... No, no, that's... Oh, boy. (laughs) (laughs) So uh, on the 24th of March, uh, Bucky Wolf was acquitted. By reason of insanity. Oh, yeah. dude, our boy is going to get off for that mob boss yeah, hit. Right. Oh, every QAnon motherfucker is going to get off for doing any stabbing, 100, shooting. Oh, 100%. <laughs> and you great. know, And you know who helped? And you know who helped the lawyers establish precedent? None other than our very own beloved Travis underscore view. I mean, what? we'll see. What do you mean? Uh, well, I had what, remember I had one thirty-minute conversation with lawyers representing Anthony Camello. Oh yeah, you did this. Yeah, that's right. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, so, so yeah. You, oh wow, fuck, dude. Honestly, of all of us, the person that would harm the world, I thought it would be me or Jake. <laughs> what are you talking about? I already have harmed the world just by just by existing. <laughs> Uh, that doesn't mean that Bucky Wolf is a free man, though. Uh, court documents state that he has been committed to the custody of the Department of Social and Health Services for hospitalization. Uh, we're, we're hearing that he has to undergo a two-year intensive katana uh, training so that he knows how to w- wield the blade better. No, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> QAnon follower and sovereign citizen uh, Kentucky mom charged with kidnapping her kids. So uh, Kentucky resident Neely Blanchard whose two daughters are legally in their grandmother's sole custody, allegedly took the children from their grandmother's house in Logan County, Kentucky, on March 20th, according to police. Uh, An Amber Alerts was sent out uh, shortly after the alleged abduction, and it warned that Blanchard was armed with a handgun. Blanchard was eventually arrested early Thursday morning, and her two daughters were recovered unharmed. Blanchard now faces uh, two kidnapping charges and two charges of custodial interference, according to Logan County Sheriff Stephen Stretton, who said that uh, law enforcement officials traced her cell phone location to the home of a group of sovereign citizens. Travis, I'm going to come over to your home with a gun and custodially (laughs) interfere with your family. I'd prefer if you didn't. (laughs) Okay. While on the run with her children, uh, Blanchard posted a, a non-consent statement on Facebook that uh, appeared to uh, reference uh, sovereign citizen ideas. It also contained just a lot of like incoherent run-on sentences that sounded closer to, like beat poetry than any kind of like meaningful legal document. Do you remember when we first awesome. had word salad become a thing in emails? 
Do, I, I, no one could have predicted that the word salad would become the language instead yeah. of the other way around. <laughs> the emails didn't become like this is more just the sensical. argo of our age. Yeah, yeah we are becoming <laughs> the word salad. That will be our new no, language. No, we we degrade. We degrade over time. That's yeah. That's just. Yeah, That's just the same the, the same way that when Podesta read the Podesta emails, he became a pedophile and child trafficker <laughs> because right. he learned from it. <laughs> Julian, would you read uh, one a single sentence from this bizarre document? Now exposed is the extent of, quote, bond equity profiteering, facading, quote, fraud courts that are businesses disguised as courts and upheld as fraud by facading professional slash judiciary that provides only bogus documents via proxies. These systematic collusions are subsequently pro-abuser, pro-narcissistic, pro-legal, pro-pedophile and cover up and pro-Freemason corruptions in intention. Actually, you know what? This graduates to poetry. Yeah, it is. We're good. I'm good with this. It is. There's, I won't even yeah. comment on the sentence structure. All right. This is great stuff. It needs to it needs more spaces. It needs to be like over the course of like two or three pages and you need brackets here, align a word mm-hmm. to the right. But this but is you poetry. Can t- turn this into found art. I, yeah, <laughs> she she's got a lot of good alliteration, uh, especially <laughs> towards the end there. Um Now, uh, I give it a B B minus. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is, of course, the second known case of a QAnon follower uh, who is a non-custodial mother kidnapping her kids. Uh, the first one was uh, Cynthia Absug in Colorado. Zug, so, zug. For my next story, uh, QAnon followers anticipate that the long-awaited 10 days of darkness will begin April 1st. Only these dumbasses would be wishing for the lights to go off. On April Fool's Day. Yeah, right. <laughs> Now, we talked about this some on last episode, but a significant chunk of the QAnon community is still very hyped about the month of April, thinking that this is when uh, we'll finally bring about the storm of mass arrests that they have been waiting for so, uh, yeah. so very, very long. Uh, part of how this they made this calculation is that the White House announced the 15 days to slow the spread of the coronavirus on March 16th. Oh, classic. And, and then 15 days... Uh, uh, mm-hmm. from March 16th is March 31st. Oh, yeah. And then that's when they think the, the 10 days of darkness are going to be. And Q did say right. that yes. the storm was going to be biblical. Yep. So the 10 days of darkness is supposed to end on Good Friday, which is April 10th. But, I mean, look, uh, only, QAnon, okay. only QAnon believers would take something that the White House says and then be like, oh, and then the thing that we think is going to happen takes place after the range of dates that they said. Not on the range of dates that they said, but starting at the end of what they said. I also support QAnon now aligning all their predictions with actual holidays. So they're like, uh, a month before the turn of the year, more lights will be seen in the streets. Uh, soon yeah. you will hear the jingle of bells and men dressed in red, like cruising the streets. And they're like, this is the storm, of course, as we know it. Every December 25th. <laughs> that, eventually they're going to need it. They've got nothing else. Uh, Here is one tweet from a very confident QAnon follower. There are over 509,000 sealed indictments. So the DOJ has been kicking ass, exclamation point. Q said done in 30. That ends 4-10-20. So come to me on the 11th. If mass arrests haven't happened, I will eat crow. By eat crow, he means change the random number sequence in his username on Twitter. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Now, they also assign a lot of significance to the day 4 10 20 because they call it DJT Day because they think, you know, the date represents Trump's initials. D is the fourth letter of the alphabet, J is the 10th, et cetera, et cetera. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, looking forward. So this might be, um, you know, you know, if the, if the 10 Days of Darkness starts on the 1st, this will be our last show. Speaking, so. speaking of 10 Days of Darkness, has Q said anything about the coronavirus? Well, it's funny that you mentioned that. Uh, Q actually did finally post about the coronavirus. Oh, thank after. God. It's, it's the solution, right? It's the it's the cure. He has the, the code, the... The DNA of the cure? No, actually, it seems like the theory that Q is running with is that the virus is a Chinese bioweapon <laughs> and deep state plot <laughs> oh, to harm Trump and help Joe Biden. Oh, dude, yeah. Now, now, mm-hmm. as we covered in the uh, coronavirus conspiracy theories episode, all of the genomic evidence points to the virus originating in nature and not a laboratory. What about that amazing story uh, of the Austrian uh, ski lodge where they were playing beer pong by spitting the ball out into each other's cups? Yeah, Mike. And they were blowing on a whistle is... as they were doing shots, and they were all sharing the whistle. Yeah, and then that spread coronavirus. They basically, were just picking their nose, yeah. smearing at each other. It's, and then everybody spread out from that ski lodge yeah. to the rest of Europe, and it blew up. Like amazing. I love that it, that is the real story instead of some like Chinese like you know back alley or something. It's just a, a, a dirty, ski dirty lodge. Austrians, well, it, yeah, it's, upper it's, middle class. Yeah, it's Austrian. It's so funny because, like in in the movies, you know, in in Contagion, it's like oh, like this uh, beautiful Gwyneth Paltrow, like on a business trip, like at a fancy casino, like shakes the hand of like uh, one of the like top chefs in the world, and like that's how it starts. But like in real life, it's just like a bunch of fucking idiots like sucking on plastic balls and blowing yeah. them into cups <laughs> yeah, and no. fucking you know getting drunk and slapping ass. And- yeah, in real life, it would be like Gwyneth, show us Dinah Titten. Oh, yeah. okay, and now, then, Matthias, it's time to take more shots. And then, like, just a bunch of, like... Like, <laughs> 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 like... Like that's how fucking that's how Corona sounds with a pop with a pop of a fucking ping pong ball fucking coming out of some dumbass's fucking mouth. That's how it starts. That's why we're that's why we're fucking locked inside with twenty four hour yeah. dread. It's just like some guy going like. The universe will end not with a bang. But with the pop of a ping pong ball coming out of someone's mouth. So here's what the Q drop about the coronavirus says. And POTUS rallies? And POTUS econ gains? And POTUS unemployment gains? And POTUS A, B, C, D. What? We can a prior presidential election? Delay U.S.-China trade negotiations? China prefer Biden VP as president? Shelter Biden public appearances? Shelter. Biden debates. Well, I mean, he does have a good point. I mean, he does have a good point in that uh, Biden has uh, almost but completely disappeared uh, since the coronavirus, Pro- probably because they sent him to uh, an undisclosed underground bunker where he can wait out the coming apocalypse. Yeah, the entire background of all of Biden's shots now is like one of those Disney facades where it's just like a big plastic casing. There's not a single book on it. Every photo is also part of the plastic molding. <laughs> you know what? Fuck it. I'm 100% aboard on this. I'm, right. I'm back to being a full, a full believer because look, I mean, the th- the thing is, the only way that Biden could possibly uh, win the election is if there was a massive pandemic that just wiped out the entire world, and he, from his underground bunker, declared himself the winner. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, uh, the deep state as we know it, uh, defending and sheltering Biden, uh, I'd say that's believable. Maybe the rest is a bunch yeah. of racist, dumb garbage. Yeah, maybe this is more of a code and not so literal. Uh, I, I take it. I, it's a trash drop. I, I don't know. I think it could... it's a trash drop at best. He's yeah. sandwiching in some coronavirus shit into like other stuff so he can pretend that it wasn't like a huge mistake to not mention it until now. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. He really, he really, he really should play on the biblical angle. I think he's missing out a lot, but I, but I do, but I do think this is, this is decent because he's like, oh, we'd get why, you know, Biden, it, it, it makes everybody fucking, Biden doesn't have to appear at the debates, although he did, right? I mean, they did a town hall thing. That's true. So that doesn't even really track. In today's video, you are going to learn how to pronounce Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Today, we're talking about the woman who is alleged to be the central accomplice of Jeffrey Epstein's underage sex trafficking operation, Ghislaine Maxwell. Multiple Epstein victims have claimed that Ghislaine worked as a procurer of young girls for Epstein and even participated in the abuse itself. Maxwell, for her part, has denied these allegations and has never been criminally charged. But, as we'll soon see, those denials aren't very credible. Ghislaine Maxwell was born on Christmas Day in 1961 in Maison Lafitte, France, to parents Robert and Elizabeth Maxwell. Ghislaine is the youngest of her eight siblings. Her father, Robert Maxwell, has a fascinating life story, even though much of it is still shrouded in mystery. He served as a lieutenant in the British Army in World War II. He went on to become a very successful and wealthy publisher. He founded the Pergamon Press Publishing House, which produced uh, science and medical books. After that, he bought British tabloids, including The Mirror, as well as a stake in MTV Europe and the American publishing giant Macmillan. But Robert Maxwell was also connected to international intelligence agencies. Documents that have been declassified in the past 20 years revealed that both the FBI and the British Foreign Office investigated Robert Maxwell of being a Soviet spy in the 1950s, though neither of those investigations conclude that he was involved in any espionage activities. Only the Americans could be stupid enough to think that an obvious Mossad guy was a communist. Was a Soviet, yeah. <laughs> Dumbasses. <laughs> Fuck. Robert Maxwell's connection to Israeli intelligence is much better substantiated. According to authors John Loftus and Mark Ahrens in their book, The Secret War Against the Jews, Maxwell's relationship with... What? Uh, wait, wait a minute. Uh, <laughs> what, you thought, it, you thought we were only waging a visible war, dude? No, we have both. <laughs> you know, my grandmother uh, was read that book. I remember when it was one of the last things she read before she died. Well, it's a good one. It's fascinating. Re yeah, recommended it to the entire family. Went, ah, you yeah. have to watch this. You have to read The Secret War Against the Jews. We all thought she was crazy until I started doing this podcast. And now I <laughs> <laughs> well, maybe one day we do a seance and have uh, Nana on the pod. Okay. According to that book, Maxwell's relationship with Israel dates back to the 40s. They claim that Robert Maxwell and his friends arranged for a Czech fighter plane plant to continue production after the end of World War II. These planes, which were originally produced uh, for the German Nazi Air Force, were instead being produced for Zionist Jews who were planning to create the State of Israel. Uh, that instant air force that Maxwell provided to Israelis helped turn the tide of the 1948 Arab-Israeli War. Robert Maxwell's relationship with Israel lasted for decades afterwards. According to the 1999 book Gideon's Spies, The Secret History of Mossad by Gordon Thomas, a member of the Israeli intelligence community described Robert Maxwell's intel role like this. Maxwell was Mossad's high-level Mr. Fix-It. He opened the doors to the highest offices. The power of his newspapers meant that presidents and prime ministers were ready to receive him. Because of who he was, they spoke to him as if he was de facto statesman. 
never realizing where the information would end up. A lot of what he learned was probably no more than gossip, but no doubt some of it contained real nuggets. Maxwell knew how to ask questions. He had received no training from us, but he would have been given guidelines of areas to probe. That book, by the way, Gideon Spies, another great book, and it also contains a lot, some more detailed accounts of uh, Maxwell's exploits, if you want to look into that. Uh, when Robert Maxwell died in 1991, six serving and former heads of Israeli intelligence services attended Maxwell's funeral in Israel. He was just a beloved guy. Yeah, he was yeah, well-loved by... <laughs> Gave great presents. Yeah. <laughs> Israeli Prime Minister Yitzhak Shamir eulogized him and said this. He has done more for Israel than can today be said. If we said what he did, you'd be fucking horrified. <laughs> <laughs> so literally at his funeral, they got up and they were like, he has done so many things I cannot talk about here at his funeral <laughs> That's today. Right. That's right. It, <laughs> I stand and praise this great man who has done things I can't mention here, but trust me, trust, trust me, they're me. great. Great guy, great guy. Because of her father's wealth, Ghislaine Maxwell had a charmed upbringing. She grew up in the 53-room mansion in Buckinghamshire, England. Her childhood activities included sailing on a 200-foot family yacht named the Lady Ghislaine. As the boat's name suggests, Ghislaine was her father's favorite child. Some speculate that Ghislaine's relationship with men was influenced by her domineering father. When she was an undergraduate in college, he forbade her boyfriends from coming to the house or being seen with her. He suspected that any man seeking his daughter was a gold digger. Wendy Lay, a journalist and author who knew Robert Maxwell, once recalled that Ghislaine had a desperation to please him, to live up to his high standard of success at all costs. How did Ghislaine manage to conquer the heights of Manhattan society, both salubrious and not so salubrious? The secret is that she was always daddy's girl and thought that she was entitled to mingle only with the best. Thus armed with self-confidence and Maxwell's favorite motto, quote, kindness, courtesy, and consideration, she effortlessly charmed her way to the top. Through the 1980s, Ghislaine was a prominent London socialite and worked for organizations connected to her father. For example, she worked for a publication called The European, which Robert Maxwell founded. She was also a director of uh, Oxford United Football Club while her father owned that sports team. <laughs> sure. Sure, whatever. Just yeah, hey, run, a, run, a, run a pro sports team, whatever. Want a job? You got it. Yeah. When Robert Maxwell purchased the New York Daily News in January of 1991, he sent her to New York City as an emissary. Now, she might have spent much of her life serving her father in this way if it wasn't for the fact that Robert Maxwell died unexpectedly at the age of 68. He was last seen by the crew of his yacht, the Lady Ghislaine, which was near the Canary Islands on the morning of November 5th, 1991. His body was discovered floating in the Atlantic Ocean shortly afterwards. Autopsies later revealed that he did not die due to drowning, but he did suffer from chronic lung disease and a heart ailment, including severe narrowing of the arteries. After Robert Maxwell died, it was discovered that his empire was, was in much worse financial shape than he led on. He had plundered hundreds of millions of pounds from pension funds to save his companies from bankruptcy. After the fraud was exposed, the Maxwell companies filed for bankruptcy protection in 1992. Her family lost almost everything, including the boat. Because of Robert Maxwell's foreign intelligence connections, plus the fact that his fortune was on the verge of collapse, that has led some to speculate that his death was a suicide or possibly a murder. Yeah. Uh, Robert Maxwell's son Ian dismissed accusations of foul play. 
I don't think any murder conspiracy stands up. So for me, it's an unexplained accident, and I'm content to live with that, because otherwise I would die because I've been told to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I'm sorry, I, I, yeah, I, yeah, I, I, I freestyled bit. after I'm yeah, content right. to live with that. Yeah, I content. like that it says live. I'm content, <laughs> I'm live. content to be That's alive with word. that. Right. <laughs> uh, Ghislaine Maxwell, however, stated in an interview with Hello Magazine that she believes that her father was murdered. With much of her family's publishing empire gone, Ghislaine Maxwell moved to a modest Upper East Side apartment in New York City. Now, first of all, I love that that this is her idea of rock bottom, of Slumming. losing everything. Yeah, I Moving know. To I a, know. A, it's it, it's giving me a tingle in my chrechum. <laughs> yeah. Like all the rest, the rest of the pores, my view on Central Park is all I have left. Ghislaine <laughs> <laughs> reportedly first met Jeffrey Epstein at a New York party soon after she had been through a difficult breakup with the Italian aristocrat Count Gianfranco Cicogna. So, I mean, to be fair, there are really only difficult breakups when it comes to Italian aristocrat Count Gianfranco Sicconi. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that the Count likes to send block paragraphs of text messages just one after another. <laughs> First, he'll be like, I miss you. And then he'll be like, oh, I hate you. Yeah. Oh my very God. difficult guy. According to a friend of Ghislaine's who spoke with the Times of London, she saw Epstein as her ticket back to the lifestyle to which she had become accustomed. Jeff took her in, and when she felt better, she looked around and realized he could replace the lifestyle she had. And what a lifestyle it was. She could go back to doing whatever she wanted. Previously, the price of that had been having her father. Now the price was this guy. What they both enabled her to do was be herself. She could go off and be his madcap spirit. Isn't that amazing that, that these motherfuckers are like, Feel free to be herself, which was not bound by any rules and <laughs> access to every single item imaginable. Yeah, and also when she decided to be herself, she was a fucking monster who abused children, if uh, <laughs> yeah. lawsuits are to be believed. Now, the relationship between Epstein and Ghislaine went through multiple phases. They briefly were romantically linked, but after that fizzled out, they remained very, very close. Well, it's hard to maintain uh, the passionate early days of having threesomes with sex slaves. Right. Uh, later on, inevitably you fall into the doldrums of just abusing them individually. <laughs> Photographs of Epstein in the 90s often show Ghislaine was always nearby. Epstein once even described Ghislaine as his best friend. With her address book, she became his facilitator, making the connections Epstein sought. It was Ghislaine who introduced Epstein to Prince Andrew, and the three often socialized together. According to allegations made in multiple lawsuits, that facilitation of Epstein's life included helping his abuse of underage girls. According to Ewan Relly, an investment banker and New York social fixture who knew Ghislaine Maxwell for years, Every pretty girl in New York in those days, Ghislaine would invite to Jeffries. Her job was to jazz up his social life by getting fashionable young women to show up. Early evidence of Maxwell's involvement in Epstein's life can be found in a 1993 ad for a yoga instructor that was published in Yoga Journal. The ad sought an instructor for a private individual. The ad also promised, quote, the job includes fantastic perks such as extensive travel. And egg-shaped dicks. To Little St. James, I assume. That's the travel. Yeah, you get doing. to go to Little St. James and meet the fantastic egg dick. Uh, it's, uh, he's a freak that uh, <laughs> they pull back the little <laughs> curtain and, oh, look at this man. The number listed on that ad was for uh, Epstein's office, and interested parties were instructed to call Miss Maxwell. 
The most well-known victim of Jeffrey Epstein is Virginia Jeffrey. As a teenager, Virginia worked at the spa in uh, Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago Resort in Florida. She claims that it was there that Ghislaine introduced her to Jeffrey Epstein. In an interview with the Miami Herald, Virginia describes how Ghislaine allegedly groomed her. The training started immediately. I mean, it was everything down to how to give a blowjob, how to be quiet, be subservient, give Jeffrey what he wants. A lot of this training came from Ghislaine herself. And being a woman, it kind of surprises you that a woman could actually let stuff like that happen, but not only let it happen, but to groom you into doing it. And then there's Jeffrey who's telling you, I want it this way, no, go slower and don't do that and do this. After Maxwell called Virginia a liar, Virginia sued Maxwell for defamation in federal court in the Southern District of New York in 2015. While details of the settlement have not been made public, in May of 2017, the case was settled in Virginia's favor, with Maxwell paying out uh, reportedly millions. One lawsuit filed earlier this year by a Jane Doe against Epstein's estate claims that the plaintiff was scouted by Maxwell and Epstein when she was just 13 years old. Here's what that lawsuit says, in part. In the summer of 1994, Jane Doe met Jeffrey Epstein and Ghislaine Maxwell at Interlochen Arts Camp in Michigan when she was only 13 years old. Doe was there as a student in the voice program. Doe was sitting alone on a bench between classes when Epstein and Maxwell approached her. Epstein bragged to her about being a patron of the arts and giving scholarships to talented young artists like Doe. Epstein and Maxwell probed her at length about her background, family situation, and where she lived. As Doe got up to leave, Epstein requested her mother's phone number back in Florida, she was alarmed by this request, but also feared that she could not refuse the older man's request, so she complied and provided him with the phone number. Over the course of the next several months, Epstein and Maxwell attempted to groom and mentor 13-year-old Jane Doe. Epstein gave himself the name of Doe's godfather, while Maxwell acted like an older sister to her. They took her to movies, went shopping with her, and lounged around Epstein's estate with her. Epstein and Maxwell then started to make sexual references when they were with her. For instance, Maxwell told Doe that having sex with ex-boyfriends was easy because once you slept with them, quote, they've been grandfathered in and you could go back and fuck them whenever you wanted, end quote. Epstein also started to slowly display his pedophilic ways when shopping with Doe and Maxwell. Instead of Doe picking out clothes she wanted to wear, Epstein insisted that she pick out and wear little children's cotton underwear. Oh my fucking God. Yeah, it's bad. The lawsuit claims that Epstein made the teenager financially dependent on him and sexually assaulted her several times over years. The lawsuit says this. During Doe's time in New York, Maxwell also regularly facilitated Epstein's abuse of Doe and was frequently present when it occurred. The lawsuit also, interestingly, alleges that the plaintiff briefly met Donald Trump. During one of Doe's encounters with Epstein, he took her to Mar-a-Lago, where he introduced her to its owner, Donald J. Trump. Introducing 14-year-old Doe to Donald J. Trump, Epstein elbowed Trump playfully, asking him, referring to Doe, this is a good one, right? Trump smiled and nodded in agreement. Ghislaine was also close enough with Donald Trump to fly on his plane. In 1997, New Yorker reporter Mark Singer said that he flew on Trump's 727 with Ghislaine Maxwell, Trump's bodyguard Matthew Calamari, and Eric Trump, who was 13 years old at the time. Calamari. Yeah, he's That's his wait a minute. He's got a he's got a what? He's got a bodyguard whose name's Calamari. He's a body yes, Trump's bodyguard's name is Matthew Calamari. And he, I want to tell you he's got fucking one pocket full of lemons and the other pocket <laughs> full of pink sauce. 
Ghislaine Maxwell also grew close with the Clinton family after Bill Clinton left office. She vacationed on a yacht with Chelsea Clinton in 2009 and attended her wedding in 2010. She also participated in the Clinton Global Initiative as recently as 2013. In fact, in 2009, uh, Ghislaine was served with a subpoena from lawyers representing Epstein accusers as she was leaving the Clinton Global Initiative Conference at the Sheraton Hotel in New York. Oopsies. Epstein was not the last billionaire that Ghislaine romanced. In the late aughts, she was also uh, developed a relationship with Ted Waite, who had founded Gateway Computers. He helped her secure places at the first-tier conferences, and she helped him uh, upgrade his social standing and style. She also helped him obtain and renovate a yacht, which is called the Plan B. He, he was an easy upgrade, by the way. He was a guy who was balding on top and wore a, uh, wore a ponytail in the back before he met oh, her. Of course, yeah. <laughs> there was also apparently a, a submarine on Plan B, which Ghislaine knew how to pilot. Uh, the New York Times reported that four people recalled that Ghislaine traveled to the middle of the Pacific Ocean in an attempt to retrieve the plane and body of Amelia Earhart. What? Uh, wait, this is what this is what this is what they said. Weird detail. She just went, went on a jaunt trying to find Amelia Earhart's body. Wait, Maxwell reportedly broke up in 2010. In 2015, a lawsuit accusing Maxwell of complicity in Epstein's abuses drew news and media attention. In 2016, the Upper East Side townhouse where she had resided was sold and she disappeared from New York's party circuit. The next year, her lawyers claimed that she was in London, but said that they didn't know her address. The plaintiff in one lawsuit, a Ransom versus Epstein, said that multiple attempts to serve Ghislaine with court documents were unsuccessful. Uh, the judge in that case said this. The plaintiff has taken various steps in an effort to serve Maxwell personally, all to no avail. The plaintiff retained a private investigation firm to attempt to determine where Maxwell resides, and that firm attempted service at three physical addresses potentially associated with Maxwell. The plaintiff also emailed the summons and complaint to several email addresses that are publicly associated with Maxwell, only one of which has been returned as undelivered. She was, of course, also nowhere to be found when Jeffrey Epstein was arrested and died in jail in 2019. But shortly after Epstein's death, the first photos of Ghislaine in more than three years were published in the New York Post. Uh, those photos depict Ghislaine at a table outside of a Los Angeles area In-N-Out restaurant wearing a gray hoodie with a dog at her feet. Uh, Maxwell in the photo is reading a book, but the title is not visible. Uh, the New York Post named the book as The Book of Honor, The Secret Lives and Deaths of CIA Operatives. I looked into this book, by the way, and it's like a total, like, gloss piece. It's, it, it opens with the guy finding the wall of the dead at the CIA, seeing that they're unnamed and being like, how did all these heroes lose oh. their life? And what were their lives oh. really all oh. about? It is absolute dog shit. I had to stop reading it. CIA puff piece. Gotcha. Now, the New York Post reporting made it seem like uh, she was surprised to have been discovered and photographed there. But a subsequent investigation by the Daily Mail discovered that the photographs were actually staged by Ghislaine's close friend and attorney, Leah Safian. In fact, the dog in the picture is Safian's dog, whose name is Dexter, which is what they discovered this by looking through Instagram photos. It was yeah. a great investigation by the Daily Mail. As of this recording, Ghislaine Maxwell's location is unknown. 
In December of 2019, Reuters reported that the FBI was investigating Maxwell as part of the continuing Epstein investigation. Uh, that same month, the British tabloid The Sun offered a reward of £10,000 to anyone who could reveal her, her whereabouts. However, the, her disappearance hasn't stopped her from firing a lawsuit in an attempt to get a piece of Jeffrey Epstein's estate just earlier this month. He can't do it himself, unfortunately. If he calls the bank and he's like, hey, I want to get some of my money back, they'll be like, but you're dead, remember? And he's yeah, like, that's, ah, uh, you oh, gotcha, yeah. of course. Yeah. And if you listen uh, to some of our previous episodes, you'll also know that a lot of the New York Post stuff is by the same guy and that behind him there is so much sketchy shit. He's been breaking weird yes. sketchy deaths. For yeah. systematically, uh, he has the first, for some reason, the first information and he breaks Somehow, it. Somehow, yeah, he's he's on top of the Epstein news in, in a lot of ways. And even going back to like JFK, yeah. like Jr. And like there were like, he's been somehow the guy they tell when a weird death happens first for just no apparent reason. Also, he seems willing to run obviously doctored stuff. When it when that comes up, and he was also, uh, if I remember correctly, the guy who wrote fake news articles for a movie for Hitchcock, who also later died mysteriously. And in those stories that were in the movie, like on a newspaper, the stories were about very similar stuff to what we're discussing here. It was like cover-ups. There was like <laughs> trafficking thing. What? It's, it's, yes, it's, dude. It, my general, a little bit more down to earth analysis, Ghislaine, is that is that I feel it feels like she's someone who is um, just someone who really understood the psychology of v extremely wealthy and powerful men and just yeah. grab right. was just incredibly gravitated towards powder power. She just knew where it was and she knew how yeah. to charm these people. She's apparently everyone who describes her as very charming in person, especially charming to men. Yeah, and she knew how to uh, 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 get. In these these men's circles and make them feel wonderful and make them feel cool because the thing is that apparently no amount of money can apparently make you uh, a cool and sociable in yeah. certain scenes and she was sort of right. facilitated this she was born into a 54 room mansion yep to a father who was clearly high level Mossad yep and she was yeah. given access as a playground to the entire like upper crust social circles yeah that's right and right. this somehow made her into a monster? Yeah, yeah. I think, you, think, you, think she <laughs> thinks she had a skewed perspective of the world. Yeah. You think when when she says like I've lost everything, I have to move to a New York apartment. And like, yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, she has a skewed perception of the world. In today's video, you are going to learn how to pronounce Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Ghislaine Maxwell. Grace is the co-host of True and On, a podcast dedicated to hunting pedos, among, of course, many other things like fighting ISIS uh, on foreign soil. What's up, Brace? How's it going? Uh, I'm I'm doing fantastic. I'll tell you what, guys. I hate to say it, having the time of my life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, our listeners are gonna love to hear it. It brings me no pleasure to to report that, but I, I'll tell you what, I've done I've been I've done a lot worse in my life. I'll say that. The focus of our episode, as you know, is Ghislaine Maxwell. Oh yeah. Now we've given the listener a little bit of background but can you just give us like your kind of broad impressions of this person like what do you think she wants to manifest in 2020 to be her best self well so that's you know 2020 is a year like a lot of flux and a lot uh, of change right and for, for Ghislaine that's no different from the rest of us um yeah. I've studied Ghislaine is like the most I'm like much more fascinated by Ghislaine than I am by by Epstein because I kind of like I have 
I go back and forth, but th- there's a lot more to her than there is to Jeffrey, if that makes any sense. Like, yeah. there's a lot more to her background. I mean, obviously, you guys talked about her dad's, like, pretty extensive intelligence connections. Mm-hmm. Um, he he was also just, like, a weird dad. I mean, she has not – she has actually eight siblings. There's nine kids total. She is obviously the most famous, but her sister's also very weird. Isabel and Christine uh, ran technology companies, also lived in Israel – there was some weird stuff with them and intelligence agencies as well. But Ghislaine is like truly the most like well-traveled and obviously like put her, put her, she's the most like her father. He loved her the best, et cetera. Um, and so like for the first part of her life, whatever, you know, she, she was just like a rich person. Her dad set her up with a lot of stuff, went to Oxford, much like Chelsea Clinton. And uh, I don't know if you guys talked about this, but her dad's dream for her was to set her up with uh, John John. What? Really? No, we didn't talk about that. Yes. That was her 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 father's like big goal for he wanted her to like move to America to become like his American proxy or whatever, and his his d idea was that he would set her up uh, with a Kennedy specifically uh, specifically JFK Jr. The hotter uh, one, yeah. That's punching I above mean, anybody's totally. weight. He is so fucking hot. Exactly. He has also much like much like uh, her her eventual paramour uh, Jeffrey. Uh, he also had some unfortunate incidents with planes, I believe, as well. <laughs> um, but he also might still be alive too. So you never, you know, uh, still in that plane, exactly. flying forever in circles Infinite around the country. Orbit. Um, but she was like she was pretty intimately connected with parts of her dad's business. I mean, I'm sure you guys talked about like his his stealing from the pension funds. Actually, when after he died, or I'm not gonna say killed, but I mean he definitely didn't mm-hmm. commit suicide. After whatever happened to him, she uh-huh. was actually she went to his she flew right away, uh, I believe it was to Spain or the Canary Islands, got on the boat and burned all his papers before anyone could get there. Um because that was, you know, she she kind of did she did that stuff for her dad. So she yeah. is already like one foot in this kind of stuff. Um and and that like set the tone for her life. She, what she does, she was like kind of like a weird bagman and accomplice for powerful for powerful men. I think 2020 is the year. This is Ghislaine's year. 2019 was all about Epstein and like guys whose YouTube channels advertise Black Rifle Coffee talking about how he didn't kill himself. <laughs> 2020 is like Ghislaine not only isn't going to kill herself, she's going to thrive. This is her year. Uh, One thing I thought that was pretty interesting with her is that she actually dated this guy named Count Gianfranco Chagona Mazon, who was a knight. We talked about that guy. Just what? Please tell us more. We also also laughed about his name and just general existence. So, yeah, tell us everything. The whole episode could be that guy if you want. It's amazing. I mean, so he he was the ambassador for the Knights of Malta to Kenya. Uh, and he died in a plane crash. Every fucking episode, everybody, everybody we do episodes on, like we've done like a few kind of like mini series on different people. And every single one of those people, excluding Osama bin Laden himself, although members of his family and of course famously some of his friends, they all die in plane crashes or like intimately connected to planes. Yeah. Um, but his dad, do you know that uh, – was like a giant industrialist in Italy and, w- and was like instrumental in getting Italy to invade Albania during uh, Mussolini's reign. Oh, just uh, fantastic. His grandfather. And of course he was involved in the, the, the coup in Guinea that Margaret Thatcher's son um, uh, did or tried to do, failed to do. Sounds um, like he was uh, perhaps also in the room for some Gladio stuff if, uh, if, if that triangulates correctly. <laughs> 
Basically, if you are an Italian and you are not uh, either like a, a poor peasant woman or – well, actually some communists too. Basically, if you're Italian, there's like a 30% chance you were involved in Gladio or at least the P2 Masonic Lodge. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so Ghislaine, sure. Ghislaine is just – she's out of the shadows of all these famous men. They're all dead, plane crashes, fall off the boat, uh, hanged by Hillary Clinton. And now it's <laughs> Ghislaine can step into the limelight. It's her year. I believe so as well. And I don't know, from everything you've told me, it leads me to believe that the kind of Epstein victimizing Maxwell kind of narrative that yeah. I've heard say, even from some libs, like they, you know, that when we when we spoke briefly to Tom Arnold, he was like, oh, yes, yes. G, like G needed to be kind of saved from Epstein and stuff. And to be honest, oh, that yeah. rang a little false to me, but I want to hear your perspective. Uh, but the Tom Arnold episode was a fucking, I really, I got to talk to that guy. Um <laughs> Or try the, uh, to. Yeah, he tried. Yeah, I gotta have, be talked at that by. I gotta ta- be talked at by that guy for a long time. <laughs> sure. Uh huh. Yes. I just want to absorb it, but uh, he. Uh, well, Ghislaine was not a victim at all. So I'm sorry if you were like, she like had sex with all the girls that Epstein yeah. had sex with. Mm-hmm. Like at a certain point, you cross the threshold from being like a victim to also just being a child molester. Mm-hmm. Um, no, she. She's like often referred to as this madam or like his pimp, his procuress, which I thought was a little clever. Uh, but she, I mean, she participated in all of this on her own too. Like she had, she fucked some of these people or she, whatever, uh, molested some of these people on the side as well. And it was not just like Epstein. I, I think maybe it started like she got into it because, I mean, she fell in love with Epstein. You know, this yeah. is right after her father's death. Uh, you know, when, and fellas, if you're listening, take note, great time to talk to a girl. You can, she, you know, he <laughs> fell in love with her or she fell in love with him. And then she sort of hung her, was like twisted around his, his, his little finger for the rest of his, her life, or excuse me, his life. But that doesn't mean that she wasn't like an enthusiastic and frequent, uh, participant. Yeah, in these no, things. I agree. One of the craziest parts of like Elaine's story is all the PR shit. Like when she was kind of oh, disappearing, yeah. there was the photos of the In-N-Out Burger photoshopped crudely, the planted stories about her potentially coming to the rescue of Prince yes. Andrew. Like who the fuck is running this op? Uh, I'm sure just like some fucking guy in DC. I mean, whether that's in a, you know, intelligence agency building or like in a, in a public, uh, excuse me, a, uh, what do you call it? PR firm, but uh, it's 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 been a study. So the, the In and Out picture is one of my favorite pictures taken in history. I mean, it is the girl with pearl earring of the 20th century <laughs> or 21st century. It's amazing, yeah. uh, and it's just like the also including that Seth Rogen movie in the background that looked like it was like mm-hmm. 11 year olds trying to get their dick sucked. Um, it was so <laughs> that movie was. So, I, I, I did. Did any of you guys see that? No, absolutely no. not. No. Who is the fucking audience for this? 11-year-olds trying to get their dick sucked, dude, probably. And, but, like, dude, when I was 11, I was, like, I mean, I got, like, I mean, I don't want to get too into it. I was, like, not being, like, I got to get my dick sucked. I no, was like, I was, like, I was still in a fucking, like, Ghostbusters and exactly, Turtles at 11, dude. dude. Like, I was, I was still fucking collecting figures at that point. I absolutely uh, yeah. was collecting action <laughs> figures at that you point. You guys are both boomers. <laughs> I, I was eating ass at the age of three. <laughs> it's, but it's, it's amazing because it's, like, it's, it's, I mean, like, super bad, okay, whatever, 15-year-olds, when you're 15, nothing, you want nothing more in life than to do a, to finger someone. 
But at 11, it's like, oh, that's a little much. Anyways, no <laughs> Dude, it's, it's yeah. the fucking QAnon. The QAnon people are right. Hollywood is trying to normalize uh, 11-year-olds uh, having sex with one another. Well, I, I did think it was weird that Brock Turner produced it. Um, <laughs> in conjunction with David Geffen, but you know, yeah, it's, yeah. it's it's Hollywood. But, but dude, weren't they they were doing that shit when we were when we were eleven too? Remember that movie Kids, which which with oh, yeah. um, what's her name? That, I remember Kareem? that came out and it was like basically yeah, fucking Larry porn. Clark. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, he, what's that other movie he made? Fucking the one with the rabbit ears, the kid, the kid, the uh, rabbit ears. Gummo, Gummo. My buddies used to fucking uh, smoke weed with that guy. The rabbit ears kid. <laughs> oh, nice. shit, no way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can't believe there's like a rocker dude in the South. <laughs> uh, but that, that picture of Ghislaine was amazing. Apparently, it's like her attorney, this woman, Leah Safian, her dog. Yeah. Uh, who you can find that lady's phone number online. I don't know. I tried to call her. She didn't <laughs> call me back. I've tried to call every single phone number that is at all associated with the Epstein case. And I have received very few. In yeah. fact, zero uh, return calls. <laughs> so how is the um, how is the empty apartment with just the string on that one wall? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, with that picture, it was like I think that was her trying to buy time, yeah, so that she could really get out because you know they thought she was at her 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 really poor scene boyfriend's house in uh, Manchester by the Sea. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that guy, which which. Yeah, well, she probably, you know, his his job, this guy, Scott Borgeson, his job, actually, he owns a company that uses satellite footage to track cargo and to basically try to do insider trading from that information. Oh, fantastic. It's very bizarre. I don't really get how it works. Um, yeah. But even so she was, I think, there. And I think she, I, I, it's clear that she took off. I mean, people saw her sister uh, yeah. with a, a car full of baggage and stuff. Yeah, I, I will say that. that the next day, um, Homeland Security, their uh, mm-hmm. the 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 TSA systems did go out for like a few hours at certain airports. So mm-hmm. maybe she slept out then. Although that doesn't really make a lot of sense. Um, it's it's just such, been such a weird. Yeah. It's like it's like they're trying to just throw as much shit to the wall and see what sticks. You know yeah. what I mean? And, like, focusing a bit more on her um, Assad connections, obviously, through her father and yeah. all that, I mean, the question, I guess, is what was her role and, like, why was she, she so useful that they continued using her beyond, like, beyond the death of her father? Like, how connected is she really? Is it a loose handling or what do you think? Obviously, it's impossible for me to know, but it's it could really go either way. I mean, she could have directly been involved in it. Like, maybe, I mean, I, her father, you know, there's rumors he was trying to blackmail Israel and that they bumped him off. I mean, that's the thesis of... Uh, uh, I think it's called The Death of Robert Maxwell, uh, mm-hmm. this, this this book I got. The, she could have just been hired, essentially, by them, or or it could have been done obliquely, and, and maybe she didn't even know who she was working for. I kind of doubt mm-hmm. that. Yeah. But it's almost certain that, that, like, I would be so surprised if she was not working in some capacity with them. But it's it's hard to know if she was directly an agent or an asset. You know what I mean? And so recently she sued the Epstein estate to get a piece of the pedo pie. Oh, yeah. So what the fuck is going on? So this is actually not the first time that somebody who has molested children alongside Jeffrey has has sued him. Um, Jean-Luc <laughs> Brunel, uh, oh, who is yeah. a, uh, well, he's a talent scout for modeling agencies, including one that Epstein ran called MC2, and and has basically been accused of rape steadily since like 1972, but just nothing's yeah. ever happened to him. Yeah. Um, he actually sued Epstein in a Florida court 
because he said that Epstein was dragging his name through the mud because he was mentioned in I think the 2005 case in in some of the uh, some of the depositions from victims. I I don't think the law. I I can't remember exactly. I don't think that lawsuit went anywhere. I think Ghislaine. There's evidence that she was promised that her legal fees would always be paid by Epstein. In in her past two court cases in 2009 and 2017 against Virginia Jeffrey and Sarah Ransom, uh, Epstein paid her full legal fees. Yeah. And so it, it, I think what she's trying to do is 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 have a sort of like insurance for if she does get caught or like somehow if she does have to to, to pay some legal fees or maybe just have a little spending money uh, that, that she's trying to get it from Epstein's estate because obviously she's not in his will. I mean yeah, she yeah. Could very well could be easily funneled money by his brother. But um, I think this is probably just – you know, she's, 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 she's crossing all her T's. Yeah, I mean, she certainly had to pay out millions, apparently, to some of the victims. So she must have at yep. least some some financial issues uh, around that stuff. Yeah. If you took your best guess, Brace, like, where do you think uh, Ghislaine is and what does she do with her free time? Like, what do her days <laughs> look like right now? So we know that her last known location, the last time she was publicly spotted was in Monaco on June 9th of 2019 at a party. Looks like shit. Awful looking woman. Uh, no disrespect. <laughs> uh, but the, what's sort of been floated, and obviously some of these are clearly floated by her side as well, is that she is in Brazil. And the Brazil thing is weird because Brunel, I do think Brunel is in Brazil because he was posting pictures of himself on Facebook there. And also, according to the testimony, that he has like some people he basically gets children from there. Um, so I'm sure that he has some underworld connections. Uh, but this cop in Russia says that he, American cop living in Russia says that he tracked her cell data to Brazil. The, the methodology of that is very opaque. Uh, and mm -hmm. he's clearly like, does it, he does not seem like the most reliable source. I'm guessing she's not in Brazil, although it's possible. Uh, the main one after that that was floated for a second was, of course, the Midwest. She was said to be protected by Navy SEALs moving from safe house to safe house in the Midwest. Yeah, that's uh, that's definitely what's happening. For yeah. sure. That's that's the most fun one to me. So that's that's what it I, is. I love that one. It's amazing. There are, uh, several of these stories have her being accompanied by by some sort of special forces contingent, uh, which which is funny, actually, because in, in an interview or excuse me, an interview in a article, she was described as having told people that she once uh, fired a grenade launcher from a helicopter in Colombia at, I believe, FARC rebels. Um, so maybe she does some, have some special forces connections. Well, um, good to know that behind every layer, there's an even more complex and opaque layer. It's so bizarre. Uh, but I believe, and I think, I think it's uh, kind of all trails lead back to Israel. I think she's in Israel. I mean, that, yeah, that would certainly make sense. It's where she's going to get the best protection and based on her family exactly. history, it's it's where she's had her promises that will really be kept. I mean, there were seven ex and serving heads of the Mossad at her dad's funeral. That's a lot. Yeah, it, it is a, certainly a lot. Of... That's a lot for that's a lot for Mossad. <laughs> that's a lot. That's a lot that's if you are like... Mossad, yeah. <laughs> Also, Israel's like 30 years old at that point. Like, how the fuck did they have so many guys go through this job? Oh, I love it. <laughs> and so, okay, I want to play a little game. Absolutely. You have three questions to ask Ghislaine. She's on truth serum. She's attached to a chair. 
You can ask her three questions and she has to answer you completely honestly. What are your three questions? Well, I, I want to know my main one. It, this is selfish because it actually has nothing to do with the case, really. I mean, it, it does, obviously. Yeah, but you can not, use not your directly. you can use your last two questions to, to make it look like you're a better person. Exactly. I want to know who she thinks killed her father because she said she maintained uh, there's actually audio of her talking about this, uh, that she maintained that her father was murdered. And she would tell people that Mossad, in conjunction with Sicilian assassins, uh, killed her father. And I want to know why, if Mossad killed her father, did she, A, work with them, and B, why would her sisters work with them? Because her sisters do work with Israeli intelligence. It's not even like a conspiracy theory. Yeah. And I want to know, what's up with that? Number two, I want to know what she did with the videotapes, because as we all know, every single house and all of Jeffrey Epstein's uh Many different mansions and apartments were wired up with security cameras. There's numerous testimonies, like by wildly different people, attest- testifying to this. Tom Arnold told us that people would call Epstein to get the details on wiring their places correctly. He's actually correct on that. So he, Epstein, actually oversaw wiring up Leslie Wexner, uh, his house in, uh, yep. in 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 New Albany, Ohio. Yeah, he was the gold confirmed standard. by Tom Arnold as well. Yeah, yeah. Another yeah. Tom Truth. Uh, another Tom Drop. Yeah. Proven. Tom Truth. Is yeah, like, another, um, another fucking, another future proves pass from Tom. By the way, I would love to see any footage of Roy Cohn and, and Les Wexner and whoever the fuck else. It's, yeah, it's, they all learned this. I think it's basically from Roy Cohn. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Who also, of course, served as a lawyer to Donald Trump mm-hmm. um, and a bunch of other scumbags. But, uh, yeah, it's. I would love to know what's up with those tapes because do you remember right after his house got raided in New York, the FBI said that they uncovered a safe with two passports. One of them, uh, what was it, an Austrian passport with place of residence as Riyadh, Saudi Arabia, and the other, uh, I can't remember what the other one was, but they also uncovered stacks of videotape. Yep. Oh, excuse me, of, of DVDs with young girl plus girl. Now, I have not heard anything about those DVDs since then. They're supposed to be literally labeled with the names of the people they caught on tape, like the actual celebrities. And they disappeared like Ghislaine. Never, like, and not even really mentioned in any follow-up articles. I I, I follow uh, Bill Bill Barr sort of took over the case uh, at Mm -hmm. a certain point. I mean, ostensibly just Epstein's suicide. But, like, there has been no no questions asked about any of this stuff. and Bar, I don't know if you guys covered Barr's connection to Epstein. Bill Barr's father gave Epstein his first shot and basically brought him Just into amazing. The, the world uh, that, that he, the, he then, like, you know, used. And as, you know what's, what's funny is literally no reporter has ever asked him about that. Good stuff. And it, uh, does, not make you, uh, it does not make you worry about our media. It does, not, it, does, it does not go a far way to explain why they've created such a void in the media landscape that now people like you and me who barely know how to use recording software have to become fucking yes. <laughs> like citizen journalists just to get anything done. I mean, it sucks because I worked for OAN, as you know, for like many years back when they were sort of a left wing publication. Um, and it's it's awful that I was I wasn't able to be there in the, the White House press corps. Ask <laughs> this. And of course, the question uh you know, who is Q? All right. So we got the, oh, is that the third question for Ghislaine or do you want to? No, 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 no. <laughs> Ghislaine, is, she's not that high up. Yeah, she doesn't know shit. Uh, I would also want to know if she had like any self, I don't even know of remorse because that's sort of like a leading question. But if she ever had any self-awareness that she was having sex with children. Yeah. 
Like at some point, like I've always wondered this because obviously she's very well educated, like, you know, worldly. And I wonder if at any point you were like, you know what? It's fucked up of me to have sex with a 14 year old. Yeah. Cause like sometimes like I like, I like will feel bad about like, I don't know, sleeping in too late. And like think mm-hmm. about it for a couple hours. Like yep. I couldn't imagine what I would do if I was like part of the biggest pedophile ring uh in American history. I got the impression like she's like that she's someone who like just submitted her will to the powerful men that she encountered. Just whatever they wanted was fine. And if they if they wanted to fuck children, fine. She just submitted her will to the, to that without thinking twice about it. Yeah. It's just 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 uh, empty. You know- just she's just morally empty, I think. Mm. I, you yeah, know, but like you'd think like one night like staring out into the sea in yeah. Florida, you'd be like, fuck, dude. Fuck, dude. I got to sue Epstein and get some of that money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, but uh, Tom Tom Arnold did say did, did sort of touch on this as well. He said that a lot of these people are like they justify it in a weird way like, oh, well, like 15 is like the legal age in like Moldovia. So like, yeah. you know, it, it does, what's the yeah. difference? Like that they, they find ways to sort of justify it to the point where they don't think that anymore, that they think it's just, yeah. oh, that's some weird societal rule yeah. that you've placed on it. It's not actually morally corrupt. So, well, this is why they teach the classics at places like Oxford and Cambridge, because basically two out of three people that come out of those universities becomes a pedophile. Uh-huh. And Trained by death in Venice. It. Trained by Oscar Wilde <laughs> exactly. plays. And they need, yeah, they need to, they need to like be like, well, I'm like the ancient Greeks. So you uh, obviously do pedo hunting at Trunon, and has there been any mm-hmm. progress finding Galen? I know there's a ten thousand pound reward now put up by British Rag the Sun. Are you going to yes. match that money, or are we doing more of a guerrilla operation instead of putting up wanted posters? So I, uh, I, I listen. If you find Galen Maxwell and you bring it to me, I will literally get you fifty thousand dollars. Hundred <laughs> percent. All right. If you just tell wow. me where she is, don't, don't bring me any. I'll give you twenty five thousand dollars. I mean that hundred. I will just get that money somehow. I'll figure it out. I'm Jewish. I can call Mossad. Wow. Uh, you know what? I might contribute to that, that GoFundMe, baby. Right. <laughs> well, so what I'm doing is I'm actually I'm I'm planning on going and hunting. Not hunting. I don't want to use that loaded language. I'm going to possibly take a close up look at the life of Leslie Wexner. Mm. Uh, hopefully I was planning on doing that this summer and, and going out to Ohio, but you know, the lockdowns kind of put a damper on that. Ghislaine, it's tough because of BDS. I can't go to Israel and look for her. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. but she also could be, I, sh- I should have mentioned this. She also could be with the Royal family. I have like a weird dark horse theory about that as well. Oh, that, that, that uh, would, that, that would, she- that would just absolutely just make QAnon true overnight. I mean, fuck. I mean, fuck, it, absolutely. Yeah, and, and and a sitcom just waiting. To <laughs> Amazing. Yeah, that would actually that wouldn't even make Larouche true. That goes so far back that would, or excuse me, QAnon true. That would make Larouche true. Yeah, too. yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, no. John Birch, <laughs> uh, it were were Sears. Everything. They were the Oracle. Um, yeah, it's it's Jesus. I actually know a guy. I just found out a guy I know was a Bircher when he was like fifteen because his parents were, I guess. Yeah. He's old as shit. Um, but yeah, I will. I will, I want to go look for her, but unfortunately, there's such a wide net that I, I can't really because, again, like I, you know, she might be in Brazil, but like, you know, I'll say if I ever get anything remotely, even like a, a medium good lead, I will be on the first plane to Tel Aviv. I don't care. I'll break BDS. Whatever. 
I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I, it's, it, I'm sorry. I'll, I'll burn a cup of Sabra Hamas, uh, as, as recompense. But <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I, I got, I gotta find, cause it's like, I feel like I am the, not just me, but you know, me and a few other people, I could talk to her. Yeah. Like I know everything about her. Yeah. Like I have studied her life so extensively. I have, listen, I will in do, a way, I will do in a way you're anything in love with to talk her. to this woman. In, in a way, I have, I, you know, <laughs> the usual joke is that I had sex with her. But if it, I will, I, I will do it. I don't care. Yeah. I will. I need to get my man. Like it's like I. She is my key to this. You should. Like, you should Operation like, Midnight Climax her. You dose her with acid, and then you have beautiful <laughs> sex with her, and she tells you everything. That sounds. I. I. I was thinking. I was actually taught how to waterboard. I feel like I could waterboard her. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> but so, the other thing shit. sounds all right as well. Other than uh, the the firebombing of a soda stream factory, um, what do you think COVID-19 uh, uh, is going to do to geopolitics and like the intelligence power structure, including like Mossad and mm-hmm. all of these power structures? Like, Look into your crystal ball, baby, and paint us a future. Well, so I don't know if you guys have been tracking what's going on in Israel about this, but it's it's pretty fucking insane. It's like their response has been to basically hand everything over to Shinbet and Mossad. Uh, Mossad is even doing mass procurement for them. Whoa. So it's became overnight essentially like I mean it already is a national security state in a in basically every way, but the it clamped down so much harder and has become. Like it's it's a like it, Israel's weird because yeah it's it's an apartheid but now it's like everybody's in the apartheid but apartheid for Palestinians just got worse yeah so like uh, it's 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 like full on like lockdown lockdown over there and everything's I mean Netanyahu obviously was kind of on his way out maybe I mean not to be replaced by someone better but just someone different that sounds more like that like, it sounds more like the Medvedev phase of like the Putin thing than anything else I mean, yes, I yes, fucking yeah, doubt yeah, anything yeah. yeah. Dude, fucking fucking Max Brooks predicted it in World War Z, oh his God. novel. Like, there's a whole fucking oh. chapter on Israel and how they handled the zombie apocalypse, <laughs> and it's the exact same shit. I did read an article where they wondered about the PR of having sick patients approach the fence and get shot, of having video yes. of sick people being shot and mown down, and they worried well, that that would look bad internationally. There's already footage of them, like, just throwing Palestinians wearing, like, who, like, cough. Uh, into like a pile and shit like that. it's it's really it's really something but so that gets Israel but like everywhere else I mean it's specifically America uh, well let's just say the the government has been meeting with tech companies and specifically also with Palantir yeah um, in order to do something akin to the to the South Korean and the Chinese contract contact tracing using cell phones and social media and stuff like that. Uh, the difference is in China and South Korea, you could get tested really easily. And so the contact tracing kind of made sense, right? Because they're like, okay, this person has it. We can trace them. In America, you don't really get tested. And so they're just tracking you. It doesn't really make a lot of sense if you think if it's about COVID-19. But if you think it's about basically giving extraordinary powers to the intelligence agencies into this sort of weird private-public partnership that, that they're in – then it makes a lot of sense. I mean, it's it's there's going to be. I mean, the executive have been strengthening for a long time, and this is really going to give them a, you know, a kick in the ass to do so further. Uh, and, and in other countries, I think they'll sort of follow suit. I've been looking at comparisons to how to how 
the EU and America is handling this in terms of like funds for people. It's very different. Uh, you know, obviously there's the $1,200 thing here plus the 600 bucks, but it's nothing compared to basically any other country. The thing is, my weird theory is that coronavirus is a bioweapon created <laughs> created by Postmates, DoorDash, etc. to make sure that everyone loses their re- regular jobs except for tech people who can work from home. And so that America overnight or basically over the course of a year, everybody is forced to become a DoorDash driver or a takeout food baker. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, 100% it's, true. Uh, we just uh, – I just got absolutely. word from Travis View calling this from the Washington uh, Post once again. And he has fact-checked everything Brace has said on the episode so far. 100% <laughs> true. Thank you, Travis, for yes. nodding uh, in Yeah, yeah, my pleasure, my pleasure. This has the approval <laughs> the video's off on this, of the Washington I can, Post. I all can of it. hear him nodding. Yeah, exactly. His his nods are are more powerful than the actual words that come from his mouth where he says, no, that's not true, or I disagree. <laughs> um, For a second, when you said World War Z earlier by Max Brooks, I thought you, I, in my head, I heard you say Max Boot. Yes. Oh, <laughs> God, that'd be a terrible Amazing. book. It'd just be a book about fucking hats and shit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and also Israel. <laughs> Yeah. And Israel. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You can't forget. Yeah. About the wall and his hat yeah. and how. Yeah. Wall of hats. No. <laughs> so, obviously, listener, you should go listen to True and On. It's a podcast. You can find it on all the usual platforms. Uh, it's Brace's podcast with Liz Franzak and Young Chomsky. By the way, props on all your work so far in the music. It's really cool. So, you can follow them at yeah. True and On Pod on Twitter. And, uh, Brace, do you still like get people to follow you on Twitter? I don't know what the situation is there. Uh, I am, let's just say I am uh, not legally yeah. uh, able to use mm-hmm. Twitter yeah. uh, due to the fascist rules of that company. But I do uh, dictate. Truanon's tweets to a uh, a man in Egypt yeah. who handles social for me. Well, uh, bless that man. And uh, is there anything else you'd like to plug? No, we're doing Twitch streams too. But if you follow our podcast, you'll figure that out. Oh hell yeah, we're building a little uh, network. I, I I forgot exactly. Uh, yeah, with Bunta Vista, Trash Future, Truanon, we're gonna we're gonna start hosting each other on on uh, Twitch and create a little resistance network. Um, oh, yeah. I meant to look out how to do that today. Hey, I'll help you out, buddy. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast, Brace. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for listening to another episode of the QAnon Anonymous podcast. If you could go to patreon.com slash QAnon Anonymous and subscribe for five bucks a month, you would get a whole second episode every week, plus access to our entire archive of premium episodes. This week, there will officially be 69 premium episodes for you to listen to if you sign up. When you subscribe, you help us stay advertising-free and editorially independent, both things uh, we treasure. Join us on Twitch, where we stream episode premieres, curated story nights with Jake and Julian, and plenty of other malarkey, twitch.tv slash QAnon Anonymous. Go, follow, subscribe, do whatever you want. For everything else, we have QAnonAnonymous.com, where you'll find a link to get merch, as well as a bunch of free shit like access to our Discord community, our infamous Lost episodes, and even music from our soundtrack. Listener, until next week, may the deep dish bless you and keep you. It's not a conspiracy, it's fact. And now, today's auto-cue. This is JFK Jr. talking to Jay Leno on his talk show. He reads him a poem written by a nine-year-old Monica Lewinsky. Monica Lewinsky poem that is in here. Explain uh, this. Uh, 
we have to? I guess we should. Well, we should. What, we, we, um, we happen to have someone who sent us um, Monica Lewinsky's poem that she wrote in ninth grade. Actually, not, not in ninth grade, when she was a nine-year-old. And I, I know I'm going to rot in hell eternally for this, but... But I, can I maybe just give Read it a sample? Them. Yeah, give it a sample. Okay. Um, it was written, uh, the, the poem is a poignant rumination on how, quote, I can be a delicious lunch, dinner, or breakfast, if you're weird. She goes on to describe herself, quote, as a round and flat piece of dough with lots of topping. I am a mouse best friend. I make you say yum yum. <laughs> It's amazing how kids know at a young age what they're going to do with them. She goes on to describe herself, quote, as a round and flat piece of dough with lots of toppings.